Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 7, Episode 52, Todd Stashwick. This is Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name's Leon Sultana, and each and every uh, Wednesday and Sunday, we talk Comic-Cons, con culture, and all the stuff and nonsense that we get to enjoy at such events. Um, over the last couple of months, uh, our guest list has been pretty stellar. Um, I think it's because people have been remarkably available uh, during lockdown. Um, but the vast majority of the people that I've spoken to have been comics professionals and uh, convention professionals. And I think this is actually my first actor guest to come on to join us uh, on Talking Con, which means it's a pleasure to introduce Todd Statswick. Hello there, Todd. How are you, sir? I have no complaints other than <laughs> the fact that the world is burning. Well, there is that, yeah. Um, trust me, on this side of the pond, it's not that much better. Uh, the, the, the graphs are... I mean, let's all just hope that the graphs eventually start heading in a, a slightly better direction. But, there um, are ways to make that happen. Isn't there just... Um, but, yeah, when, yeah, my mask is over there. It's within arm's reach. It is there. Um, but it's a pleasure to have you joining us. If anything, so I can um, once again apologize for this photo because um quite frankly how what on earth you were thinking when a, a guy in board shorts wearing a calvin and hobbs star wars shirt holding his phone like he was doing a facetime just comes up to you and says would you like to have a chat and you came up and talked to us and we were really appreciative of that thank you so much indeed Here, here's here's uh, uh, several things uh, I like that you act like it's surprising that someone would be in a Calvin and Hobbes Star Wars shirt and board <laughs> shorts in Anaheim at a, at a convention. Uh, somehow you were not dressed. Actually, in many ways, you were underdressed because you weren't dressed as Calvin and or Hobbes <laughs> for the event. But yeah, no, you were, you were, it's a, part, part of the, um, part of the, uh, culture of of going to events like that is that people are they're vlogging and they're streaming and they're chatting about it and they're sharing with people who who don't have the good fortune of making it to one of those cons and so it is not it did not seem as uncommon as you might have felt it felt fair enough yeah. um i think the the thing that i also took away from that as well is that you were also very generous uh, in having a picture taken with my wife, Caroline, oh. uh, shortly after. So while that photo I'm not necessarily flattering in, there was the very nice photo of you with my wife. So at least, you know, you talked to me on the podcast and you also stole the heart of my, uh, oh. my wife as well. So thank you very much indeed my, for that. It was my pleasure. The thing about that particular day as well was um, because it was D23, it was my first time at that particular event. Um, it's a good one. It was a great one. It was a. I think the thing that kind of got me was um, there was a definite sense because I was um, very much the Comic Con, uh, the San Diego Comic Con kind of audience, and we were kind of dropped in um, 
as the Marvel fans, as the, the kind of people that wouldn't necessarily have attended D23 in the past. So there was definitely that sense of a different, there was a definite dichotomy there well, of I mean, between the, the hardcore Disney and the Yeah, hard I mean, it, it certainly has expanded in D23. You know, I think people are hungry for cons in general. And uh, I, I, I'm a avid con goer with my family and it's one of the favorite pastimes of my family. We. We have one called Monster Palooza, which is a horror-themed con that we attend. There's a there's a uh, one called Designer Con, which is maybe one of my favorites. Uh, because we've reported yeah. we've reported from it uh, a lot. We're a big fan of that show. Yeah, there's not necessarily a, a push towards more franchises, and it's it's a lot more handcrafted. It's like the Etsy of cons. It's pretty it's pretty lovely. Um, <laughs> I heard it described like that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, D23 now because Disney owns Star Wars and they own uh, and they own Marvel, it has expanded its reach in terms of fandom. So it isn't just the person who's going there to see the Doom buggy uh, creator or hear about the 50th anniversary of the of the Haunted Mansion. It's it, it is expanded to uh, more franchise properties, uh, which is great because it it, it just. You know, you, you, you come for the Iron Man, but then you stay for the the marvelous uh, deep dive on Disney. Oh, I mean, it's definitely when I went into the, the live action panel and the, the, they were playing the, the tracks, some real deep cuts as well, uh, on the, the, and they're, they're, they know all the words. And you okay. definitely knew. Okay. I, 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 I kind of felt a little bit like an interloper, but I, I got welcomed uh, slowly but surely over the weekend. If the one thing about that show or that particular con that really got me as well, and this is as a Brit, and we know how to queue, they know how to queue at Anaheim. They've had Disney training. That was hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was impressive. Really so, I mean, when it comes to, like you say, you go to conventions uh, a lot. I mean, what was that? What was your first convention? What was your first dive into that? That's a terrific, terrific question. Um, Oh, you know what? I mean, if if I if I stop and go, all right, probably my first uh, con from moving, because I didn't attend any in New York when I lived there or Chicago. I think the first time I I can really remember bringing my son to a con might have been thirteen years ago, uh, to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. Uh, that was my first taste of uh, con culture. Uh, and so uh, I uh, loved it. And then uh, the first time I attended as, a, as not just a fanboy was, uh, was San Diego in 2010. Where'd you go? Oh, I'm here. I'm still okay. here. <laughs> uh, I, I can't see your beautiful eyes. Um, <laughs> it was the first time I attended uh, San Diego was 2010. Uh, but but oddly enough, not goodness. as an actor, uh, I was attending as a comic creator. So I, I was with uh, Dennis Calero, my collaborator, and he had a booth at um, at uh, in Artist Alley, and so we were there with literally one web strip up, and uh, a promise, and postcards. Wow! But it was fun because because I've done uh, I've done a lot of uh, genre shows. That's kind of much of my wheelhouse is to be killed or to kill on a genre show. Um, and so people would be walking through Artist Alley and, and, and the people that are attracted to Artist Alley are the deep divers uh, in terms of the, they're actually 
kind of the original torchbearers of Comic-Con, and it's my favorite place to go in between the toys and the um, and Artist Alley. Those are my favorite places to be uh, Comic-Con. And so you would have fans of like Buffy or Supernatural like walking by and then the, the take a second. <laughs> the double take. Put together why and then wondering if, oh, you look like that guy from, and I'm like, well, I'm, I am that guy, but I'm not here for acting. I'm here for for this comic. That's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, 2010 was uh, my first as well uh, at San Diego. So that's rather, rather cool. Uh, so when it, when D23, because I mean, that, if I remember correctly, when I kind of called you over, um, I actually asked if you were attending as, um, as um, an actor, celebrity as going in, as a, yeah, as someone behind the table or someone who would be, uh, who was invited to appear at D23, no, but you, you, know, you were going I, as a fan. I was going as a fan. Um, I had uh, D23, um, I think, now what year was that that I met you? 2000, I'm going to say 15. Okay, so that was before I had done Kim Possible. So no, I was just literally there uh, to uh, look at the displays and the merch and to celebrate Disney. And my kids, my kids love to cosplay and they build costumes. I think that year they might have been Dreamfinder and Figment. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I was there purely as a fan. It must be very cool to go with your kids. I mean, how, how old are they, uh, or were they around that time? Well, if it was 2015, so that was five years ago, my son would have been 17. My daughter would have been seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, have you been tempted to uh, don the cosplay at all? Uh, yeah, I spend my life, uh, I, I make my living wearing costumes. So Good uh, point. I like to, you know, people ask me what I'm dressing up for Halloween. Uh, and I say, I go as the guy whose daughter is dressed up for Halloween. Um, I, you know, look, if somebody's having a Halloween party and I'm invited as a grown-up person, I will I will don a costume. But I don't uh, I don't cosplay at Comic Con or, or or that. I just like to go in and and as myself and as a as a as a fan. And, uh, and like I said, I, I I spend a lot of time in wardrobe. So uh, when I can just kind of go into these events as a civilian, I'm happy to do it. Makes sense. Um, I keep getting well, not that not that wearing a costume makes you a non-civilian. It's just like I'm astounded at the effort and energy that people put into their amazing costumes. And uh, I, there's there's places that I will put that energy, but that isn't one of them. I'll put it well, into helping my daughter make hers. Fair play. As a, as a Brit going to San Diego, just having any kind of clothes that aren't going to make me sweat any further than it's going to. Uh, considering that um, my wife, Caroline, is insistent that we are going to cosplay one San Diego Comic-Con, and she wants me to be Chewbacca, and she wants to do Han Solo. Wow, she's, and all, oh, she gets to wear the, the breezy clothes. Exactly, and I'm thinking, I mean, six foot four, I can understand yeah. the Chewbacca look, but yeah, sure. it's a full fur yeah, covered outfit in, yeah. in, in, in San no, Diego would, as hard, a Brit. Hard pass, yeah. Yeah, that would, that would do some damage. Yeah. That'd be yeah, something else. But okay, so you went as a fan. I mean, what kind? Of, well, I mean, we'll start with D twenty three as that show that we met at. I mean, what were the things that kind of were attracting your attention? What am I drawn to? I mean, I I, uh, I love the uh, old school stuff, the vintage stuff. Uh, uh, I'm a collector, uh, as as you as you see. I'm in the nerd layer right now. Uh, this is this is my uh, this is my domain. Uh, filled filled to the brim with uh, with toys. Wow. Um, but uh, so I'm always looking for that rare, wonderful Disney find. 
Um, I also do like hearing, I was joking, but I do like hearing about the 50th anniversary and having the, the people that created, the Imagineers that created the uh, Haunted Mansion. I've recently become friends with uh, an Imagineer, uh, Trader Brandon, who created the, uh, he was the designer of Trader Sam's, the tiki bar. And so, uh, so I've been able to live vicariously through his experiences with what that world is like. That stuff fascinates me. Um, and I do, I, you know, I love a good diorama and there's always a great diorama there. Uh, and again, as a collector, I'm always trying to find a, a wonderful piece of art or a, or a animated cell or something like that. And I also just really love, again, I say I don't cosplay myself, but I love to see people cosplay. And I love the, um, the real deep cuts when somebody dresses up as uh, like, their chip from from Beauty and the Beast, like just to, to see what uh, plucks the heartstrings of, of individual people and and what their passion is, because like like Star Wars and Disney, uh, there is kind of something for everybody, and to see what people are drawn to as their fandom. Yeah. But yeah, I collect the Funkos. I uh, uh, I'm a I'm a sideshow collector. But then with the Disney stuff, there's always old. Like I have the Tiki Room LP vinyl, I have the uh, Haunted Mansion LP vinyl, and that's the stuff that you can find there. Yeah, that's why I go. It's really that's fun. cool. Um, admittedly, as somebody who certainly tra uh, travels to uh, the states very much on a budget, um, I can't necessarily buy everything that I want to buy. Um, but certainly, when in yeah, it's a forty-minute uh, drive for us. <laughs> well, it's very handy to be there. Um, for uh, myself, I think it was more meeting the artists and creators as well. So at least then, so while it wasn't costing me as much, I can actually have that interaction so and uh, meet people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have there been many moments at cons, and not just necessarily at D23 either, where you've had that kind of wobbly knee moment with a, somebody on the other side of the table. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the, for me, the biggest one, uh, so Dennis Calero and myself, uh, so we were there representing my comic, Devil Inside, uh, our comic, and um, and we had attended, and again, I, I'm fortunate that as, uh, as an actor, uh, I get invited to certain events and whatnot, and I get to, I get to meet people. Um, so two things, uh, San Diego, one was, uh, we were leaving a, a, a party, and I, I had a few um, a few old fashions in me, and uh, I'm walking away, and Dennis and I turn and we look, and it was Grant Morrison, and uh, in all his, his Scottish glory, um, and 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 Dennis was like, and, and we just become we come we become uh, teenage girls looking at the Beatles, like <laughs> so I'm like I'm in my in my 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 mid 40s at the time losing my mind because grant morrison is there now i had happened to have in my bag as my sort of reading material at the con a copy of super gods his oh uh, nice kind of autobiography slash history yep. of comics of which he is part of that narrative um and i'm like i have it in me or i have it on me and i you know i have i have liquid courage coursing through my veins so i walk up uh just like i like Look, the reason I got into entertainment is because I'm fans of people. They they drove me to to touch people's lives in the same way that they touched me. 
And so I walked up to Grant, and I'm just like, uh, uh, and I, I reach into my bag, and I pull out my, uh, and forgive my, my poor Scottish accent, but I pull out my, my book, and, uh, and, I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of this. And he's like, have you got to the about, about the Dark Knight? And I'm like, not just yet. And uh, he goes, he goes, and he's like, it's one of my favorite parts. Uh, I was probably wearing a Batman shirt. And then I had a pencil, and so he opened it up, and he signed Up, Up, and Away, Grant Morrison. And that was just like peak Comic-Con, because it was on the street. Nice. And then uh, I was fortunate a couple times later. Uh, a, a year later, I met him at... Uh, the very same party, but we were actually upstairs at the party. So I got to dig in and have a conversation with him then. And then um, several, like maybe the last Comic-Con I was at, we, we, uh, I was on a show on the Sci-Fi Channel, 12 Monkeys, and he was there with his show, Happy. So uh, I was able to introduce my showrunner, Terry Metalis, to Grant Morrison, and then the three of us were tipping back cocktails and, uh, and uh, and jawing about comic books. And, and he was just as delightful and spirited as you would want him to be. Um, I don't want to tread on your story because um, I do have my, I have my Grant Morrison moment as well. Thankfully it's- That's not true. It's, 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 it's not as sharing. It, absolutely, it's, not as, it's certainly not as epic as yours. Um, but if anything, uh, the reason why I like to tell the story is because I was, um, it was my first year at San Diego Comic-Con as press. It was my first year as a full volunteer staff member. So I was helping run the room two upstairs, which is the artist alley room. Yep. And, I, and I was also trying to attend the con as well. So I was being pulled in all sorts of directions. Yeah. And I was running the room at the time. So I was kind of watching the door and Grant was walking past. And I have a photo of myself with Grant Morrison. But here's the thing. I was so tired and so pulled I can't actually remember having the po if I don't have that photo I can't actually remember the photo being taken it was it's it was almost no, like I a know. blur but the yeah. fact that yeah I, I totally yeah. get that those random moments yeah I had a moment that my, my version of that moment is I was uh, I was working uh, on a project I was working on a Star Wars video game and I was at uh, Lucasfilm uh, at the time and and the the man's the man himself was there and I ended up holding the bathroom door as he was exiting the bathroom. I'm like, that's, that's George Lucas. That man shaped my childhood uh, as he was exiting. And, and it was just like one of those, Thanks. as I was holding the door for him. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was fun. Nice impression as well there, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Um, we do have a whole bunch of people that are um, jumping in on the conversation please. as well. As always, guys, it is your show, so please, any comments and questions you want to put in. Michael P., uh, oh, my God, the back cup is huge. It is as well. I mean, look at this. Look at that. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking American tea, otherwise known as coffee. Um, because of the week, I've, I've decided to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is in the spirit of, and then I'm wearing my, my, my buddy has an, uh, and uh, my buddy's, uh, Christy and David, uh, Christy Black Net and David Black or David Net. Anyway, they run a nerd-themed gym in LA called Heroes Journey Fitness, and so Comic Con. The last time I was at Comic Con was doing a panel for this gym uh, nice. last year, and so I'm trying to represent all of my fandoms because I'm uh, they're my friends, but I'm also a huge fan of their work. Uh, so yeah, trying to keep it. Trying to keep it con style. Cool. 
I mean, just just your interests clearly go, and they cross the gamut, which is great. Um, I mean, what was your kind of earliest exposure to genre as a kid? Was it comics? Was it TV? What so, was your so first? So, like, if I if I if I think about it, and I, and, you know, there's the there's a a book called uh, "There Will Be Peace When We Are Done." It's about supernatural fans, and it's uh, and it's essays written by actors and fans from the show uh, and of the show. And I talk about uh, my earliest fandoms. It's like I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize I was a geek. I just noticed that I was one. And so I think from like age five or six, I remember playing with Mego Star Trek action figures and I started collecting them again. They're over there on the wall. Um, Mego, my, my cousin Tori, who also introduced me to D&D, uh, he bought me for Christmas the, the, the Mego Star Trek, like a Kirk, a Spock, uh, and uh, a McCoy. And I just was that that began and that and Planet of the Apes were probably the earliest. And then and then I saw I was eight years old in the summer of 77, if that means anything to you. No, that so, makes sense. Yeah. So you can imagine the thunder like so to a budding nerd who was already neck deep in Star Wars and or in Star Trek to have Star Wars come out. And then that same year, uh, the Rankin and Bass Hobbit came out. So that was probably the single most influential year of my life in terms wow. of formulating because it because of star wars i probably wanted to go into entertainment it informed so much of my play so much of what i drew so much of what i was spending my allowance on which was the 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 marvel star wars comics uh i also remember reading the um the uh electric company spider-man comics and then um and then I was deeply influenced by the uh, 66 Batman, uh, which I didn't realize was a comedy at the time. Uh, I just thought it was like... <laughs> you don't, you don't when you're a kid. Fun and colorful. So the original Star Trek series and the original Batman series and then Star Wars, those lit the fuse that, of, of a fire that's still burning. Very bombastic um, fandoms there. Yeah, well, it's, it's like... it's 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 easy to say well star wars because it's the largest ip in the history of mankind like yeah. but at the same time it is deeply personal like i again to an eight-year-old kid having the those images and those ideas and that mythology enter my eyeballs and shape my worldview that was that's potent stuff and so just because it's huge doesn't mean it's any less potent you know what sure. I mean? and maybe it's the other way around maybe it's huge because it's potent yeah i mean my uh i was five when star wars came out um but it was also like so i was big into star wars the toys like everybody else yeah. but i was also watching um star trek on tv uh, so when the the motion picture came out the following year um, that's certainly where um, sci-fi on. I, I, I was, I was more of a Star Trek uh, kid. Uh, and, you know, up, I, so. I, I, I was at first, but I think there was just something so swashbuckling, and I really connected with Han Solo, and there, uh, like I've always, I was never a Force user person or Sith. I love all the lore. But I always saw myself as the guy with the blaster on his side, probably because I had brown hair and he had brown hair. And I'm like, oh, he's like me. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Star Trek I, I adored, and then we, my buddy and I, when we were living together in the early 90s, we just, it was, uh, Next Generation was appointment television for us. Yeah, and then I was lucky enough to become part of, uh, part of Star Trek canon through Enterprise. Indeed. So I got to wear the pointy ears. <laughs> yeah. Excellent stuff. Uh, a couple of comments uh, coming in. Uh, Solicitor of Smeg uh, did the Hol Star Wars holiday special uh, dim the flame a little. <laughs> no, you know what? I was I, so young. Yeah. I was so young that that it was like it was what we it was the it was Star Wars to us, and it gave us Boba Fett. Come on, in that ridiculously great animated short. I mean, as an adult, I look back on it, and it's it's this wonderful train wreck of kitsch. I mean, B. Arthur singing in the cantina. <laughs> Uh, but it certainly didn't, it was, we got it before Empire Strikes Back. So you, if you think about it, it was the only other Star Wars we got. Yeah. So we devoured it. It was so weird. It, uh, came, it came out and the, um, the Empire Strikes Back annual came out here in the UK. It was published, I think, by Marvel UK. Um, so we, it, thankfully, mine kind of rolled on. It, I, if it was a blip, it kind of got smoothed out by the annual, which just got me all excited because it was the Star Wars annual for that year, and inside there's four or five page on the new film that was coming up, and that just got me. Yeah, up I mean, again, we, we, you know, we we live in an hour where we have so much entertainment at our disposal. We type yeah. something and we will get it. We click something and we will get it. But back then, this almost predated VHS, like the holiday special. So anything, Starlog magazine, like anything that had Star Wars on it, the soundtrack, the story of the movie, the action figures, we were just eating it up because it was few and far between. There was no t nine films. There was no TV series. There was no spinoff. Like, so the holiday special at the time as weird as it was, we still ate it up and, and enjoyed it. Now, you know, with the with the benefit of history, we can look at it for the dumpster fire that it is, but it still gave us Boba Fett. Come on. You, for that, I mean, I've got about four or five people I can point you towards. I mean, Bonnie Burton, who writes for uh, various... She, she is one of the most ardent defenders for the holiday special, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll stand... Side by side they, I, I have uh, I have a gentle giant uh, Anna Funko oh, of the, the Boba Fett from it, the little nice. porcelain the little yeah. porcelain statue with his uh, with his his guitar tuning fork uh, <laughs> weapon that they've now given to the Mandalorian. By the way, oh, well, yeah, that's what he uses. Absolutely, um, into the blue, Mister. I don't think I saw the holiday special until I was forty. It's hard to watch that. It's, it's tough when you're an old, older actor. Yeah, I mean, it's but, but it also. It's craptastic. So when you're 40 and you watch it, you're like, this is so bad, it's kind of great. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, in Kevin fact, I was in England. Oh. I, I bought my copy of the holiday special on, uh, on DVD at a shop at Camden Market. Well, you can buy a lot of things at Camden Market. Oh, let's be believe fair. you me. But it was like one of these, like, somebody has a bootleg of this? Thank you. I'm sorry, that, I interrupted yes. a question. No, that's that's going to go in the that'll go in uh, luggage. That'll go home with me. Um, Kevin Newsom is watching. Uh, so stoked to be part of the Star Wars universe with you. Oh, thanks, uh, Kevin. <laughs> saying hi, I know and also Kevin. saying I uh, cool and started collecting Funko because of Todd. They're, they're, so, they are, so they're, they're such lovely things. Congratulations, you're an enabler. Well done. <laughs> Happily, and uh, since Funko never made official Twelve Monkeys uh, Funko Pops. 
I never understood reason, that. Yet there was a clamor for him. Yeah. Um, this uh, this woman online uh, who goes by Dr. Funko Stein, she does custom Funkos, and she did a Deacon and gave it to me last year at nice. SlamCon at my Comic Con party that I that I'm part of. Um, but and she's made a massive line of and there's she does the boxes and everything. So find her on the Twitters, uh, Dr. Funko Stein. She does she does custom. 12 Monkeys Funko Pops. Going to have to look into that. That's They're really amazing. cool. Cool. Um, I think we'll start with this one before I go into, because um, I've got a couple of deep dive questions, especially Please. when it comes to um, what you've been up to during lockdown and certainly your D&D stuff. But we'll, we'll start with this one. This is from the audience, Karen Session. It's a silly cliche, cliche question, but it's a good one. When did he know, he, when did Todd know he wanted to be an actor? Officially, like, I was acting because it was really fun. I remember going to see a play uh, when my sister was in high school and I was still in junior high school, I remember going to see, like, she had worked on, like, Music Man or something. I'm like, well, that looks really fun to be watching people kind of in my age group doing live theater. So I was also in my church group doing doing uh, musicals and things. Uh, but it, I was originally going to be a graphic artist, like a cartoonist. And so, uh, but I couldn't handle critique on my drawing. I was like, well, oh, wow. it's the inside of my head. I don't like people telling me it was wrong. Uh, but I was also doing plays simultaneously, and I got addicted to the applause. Um, and so I, uh, I do remember around junior high, junior year of high school, was when I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm. I, I don't think I have the, the grit to be a cartoonist in terms of uh, the criticism. But I had no trouble getting notes from a director. I had no trouble, in, and I really liked how social acting was and and it was i was not an athletic kid so uh, it was a great way to, to meet the ladies um <laughs> in fact the woman i'm married to i met because i was involved in theater she was nice. in the audience at a show that i was doing and, and introduced herself to me um 25 26 years later um Bravo. so uh but i would say probably around 16 or 17 is when i knew i wanted to do it professionally and so by my senior year of high school is when I started applying to drama school uh, to go, all right, I'm taking this seriously. I'm going to go get legit training. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, dare I ask the kind of plays that you were doing as a kid? Uh, as or a kid or in college? Sorry. Well, in college we did everything. <laughs> we did, like, I, I directed John Patrick Shanley, but I would do uh, School for Scandal and Mary Wise of Windsor and uh, did some Dario Faux. Like, that's the good thing about college is that you have the opportunity to dip your toe in many different genres, uh, which I think ultimately is what gave me uh, fortitude as an actor because I was able to kind of nimbly move between comedy and drama so that uh, as opposed to locking down and going, I'm only doing comedy or I'm only doing drama, I was able to continue feeding my family because I could go, I'll go over here and do The Riches and then I'll go over here and do Dharma and Greg. Uh, it, it allowed for, because uh, my, my heart of hearts at first was to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, that's why I moved to Chicago to do Second City after college. Yeah. Uh, but when, you know, the stars didn't align in that, but it moved me to New York and then I moved to LA and so I've I've kind of lived in both and and then found a great deal of uh, success in genre because it allows me sometimes to be funny as well as being I'll be the funny guy on an otherwise dramatic show uh which is which is a a, a nice position to be in 
Well, even your the, the more serious roles, it, they have that um, real slice of um, sometimes very dark humour uh, sliding well, that's under a the... testament. That's a testament to the writing, and then, and then obviously my job as an actor is to try to find even more underneath the writing uh, and bring, you know, it's the reason that I get hired as opposed to somebody else because of the, the spice and flavor that I'm going to bring to the role. Uh, and the reason I don't get hired and somebody else does because the reason that they they'll bring something to the role that that I cannot. So, sure. you know, you, you hope that, the, you know, you're the color that somebody wants to add to the palette of their painting and you are just one piece of the puzzle. But uh, I've been fortunate uh, knock on my dice tower uh, <laughs> to uh, to be able to keep working. Uh, I, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Well, OK, then you've, you've mentioned it. You've got the dice to hand and uh before we came on air you did say you were you're playing last night yeah um i mean how big a D, &D player were you when you were younger because i mean i know there was there was a bit of a, a gap um because uh, I, I remember seeing the the uh the i think it was an instagram post you said starting up in 2018 after 36 years i mean how, how yeah it was a long time yeah like i so so the the I played from, I want to say, 79 to 81-ish. Um, so I was brought in, like I said, my cousin Tori played, and then it was we were the Stranger Kids, uh, Stranger Things kids. We were the 80s kids <laughs> in the basement with our Dungeon Master's Guide and our Player's Handbook and graph paper and dice and, and play in the game. And then uh, I had, you know, at that age, I was going to Bible camps, uh, Christian Christian summer camps, and uh, and then... And there was a thing in the 80s called the satanic panic and yep. being, a, being an impressionable youth uh, uh, I fell for it and I came back from camp one year scared out of my wits that I had let the devil into my life and I gave away all my D&D &D stuff um, oh wow and then uh, uh, and that was it like I never looked back I, I gave away what now would be worth a fortune in, in collectibles but uh, I never looked back until uh, around a decade or so ago, I was at an audition and uh, Abraham Ben Ruby, a lovely actor, who I was talking to and find out that people were still playing D&D. &D. It felt like, you know, like underground poker, like there was a faction of Los Angeles people. And again, like nerds grow up to be artists and actors like we we, we were creating and imagining things as kids. And so it, it just stands to reason that we would keep going. But but apparently like Matthew Lillard and and Abraham were, were playing D&D. &D, and I was like, well, that's that's nuts. But I had nobody I knew that was playing it. So so after I had got over and realized that the satanic panic was uh, just a publicity stunt and a lot of hokum, uh, I went on eBay and found all the original books back just to collect them again, to kind of own my youth, just so I could smell the paper and look at all the Errol Otis drawings and just deep dive back into that world. But it still didn't have anybody to play with. And then I had... Uh, Yuri uh, Lowenthal is a dear friend of mine. Uh, I had put on Facebook, I think in 2014 or 15, I'm like, I want to play D&D &D again. And he showed up at my house with the starter kit for 5e. He's like, we're playing. And he gives it to me. He's like, happy birthday. Then I booked 12 Monkeys and left town for uh, essentially <laughs> three and a half years. Now, the trainer that will help me get ready for season three of 12 Monkeys is my friend David Nett, who's also kind of a known DM. He had done a, a lot of streaming stuff. 
and produced a lot of uh, work in, in, in the Dungeons & Dragons world. He said, look, when you finish 12 Monkeys, let's get a group together and we'll start playing D&D. I'm like, you are my Sherpa. So late 2017, we started rolling up characters and I started really getting serious and then just dove back in to the game. Uh, and then my daughter was like, what are you doing, dad? And she was the age I was when I started. And I said, I'm playing D&D. She's like, you need to teach me. So then I started like, I guess I have to DM now because I was just, I just had a character. So then I started DMing for my daughter, getting my sea legs under me again. Nice. Uh, and I have not looked back. And that's what led to the creation of the Nerd Lair. And I've been fortunate to uh, do some charity events and to live stream some D&D &D as a player as well as a dungeon master. And then for my own sanity during lockdown, I've been doing a, a ton of Zoom D&D uh, &D games. So well, it, is, it is a great way, as Matthew Lillard says, it's the best way to spend a life. I mean, I've got, let's see, uh, this is something that you, you've been doing or you did do, uh, did throughout, do that, yes. uh, throughout the course of uh, lockdown. Uh, that's, I my, mean, that's my Doctor Who looking picture. <laughs> if, if they ever cast an American Doctor Who, that's what I'll look like. I'd say more the master. I think there's a, a sense of but steel that's the, there. That's the fun part. <laughs> is to uh, have that steel, but as the Doctor. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised that there's a thriving D&D &D community within the creative and the acting community. Um, certainly at West Coast, or well, anywhere really, because it is pure play. It's pure imagination and it's, it's ensemble work, if anything. It's also, aside from the fact that we're now, uh, on, um, we're now on lockdown, uh, it's, it gets people gathered around a table as opposed to a digital uh, interface. We're not, playing, we're not playing with a headset and a mic on our faces on a, in, a, in a video game. It, was, it, it, suddenly, it became tangible and it gave people a reason to gather and collect and uh, tell stories together and have escape together uh, and have the, just it just it builds community and some of the kindest most imaginative uh, compassionate humans I've met now has been through you saw Satine Phoenix uh, uh, in that game has been through uh, people that I've met through the Dungeons and Dragons community and and then guys like Joe Manganello uh, who I knew through acting uh, he was he's such a great commercial to go yeah, it's not that. Um, it's not that. There's, it's it's not what you think it is. It's not. It's not. Uh, and and it appeals to all sorts of stripe of humanity, and it is very open and welcoming, uh, and more and more every day. Uh, I mean, look, it hasn't been without its problems, of course, like anything where you know, at a, at a, for it was just thought of as a boys' club for a very long time. Even though women have been playing the game for years. It, it has been a place to escape, and like you said, it's ensemble work. Yeah. I can also imagine uh, it's a great way of, I mean, testing your muscles uh, for creativity, for play, yeah, for storytelling. And without, and without notes. <laughs> yeah, without, absolutely. Like, network or studio notes. I get to make something. It's like being a chef, where I get to create something and serve it to my friends, not for Yelp. Like, I don't do a lot of streaming, and, and bless the people that do. I play, I play for just personal reasons, and, and I've been fortunate to be invited to stream, but I don't do it professionally uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So it's fun to make something that is consumed to just be consumed for the joy of it, not for, not to have the internet breathing down your neck 
critiquing sure. it. And again, bless the people that do. Uh, they are they are bolder folk than I. And I've and I've done it a couple times. And people, the internet has been very kind, but uh, to me. Uh, but I'm old, so I don't. I'm not a twitcher. Uh, I like to watch it, but uh, that's that's way outside my you, you uh, my realm both, of understanding. Man. You and me both, man. And far away from TikTok as possible, I think. But I, uh, I, I highly encourage people to pick up the Essentials <laughs> D&D kit. What's great about the new one is it can be played one-on-one. I, I, I came in via AD&D. I, yeah, was, a, I, I was an AD&D. Yeah. Um, I, tr- I, I tried DMing once. It didn't go well. Um, I ended up being... I, I was too hot, My hands were too tight on the reins. So I didn't really let people. Well, it depends have on what you're running. It depends if you're doing a one shot. Uh, it, it tends to. I would say like, I say a, a campaign is Disneyland where you let the people just completely wander. But when you're you're trying to sculpt an evening's entertainment with a beginning, middle, and an end, it's a bit more of a dark ride. It's a bit more like. I, I've, I've laid out things for you to explore and a story and an arc that I, I kind of want you to enjoy and feel the whole thing because once this one's done this group may never gather again sure. of these people with a one shot as opposed to a campaign which is you chase it a little more you just you just sort of see where it goes and then you adjust it as a dm uh you adjust it in front of you uh in front of them i should say to to keep it uh, unfolding so that there's more to discover so there's 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 a different practice you know i was given the task of that that one that you just showed the picture of sure. uh they said it needs to be about a two-hour campaign like a two-hour dnd like anybody who plays dnd <laughs> two hours is like you're just getting warmed up yeah uh, but so i like i literally it was like oh, how do i kind of keep it moving forward keep the action going and so i literally made it uh on rails in that it was like an indiana jones mine cart so the players were in a, a speeding minecart for the entire game. Uh, how are, how is, things were how, attacking them. Yeah. How has DMing and playing D&D changed your perspective on storytelling in terms of your acting and, say, um, uh, directing or even the, the uh, devil inside uh, or, or just any way that you tell stories? Has it kind of influenced or informed well, the, the way that... For, for D&D... Uh, for me, because it's so disposable and I have to leave it porous for others' input. Uh, and, you know, Wizards has done this great thing where there's just book after book of resource, but th- but there's no, like, one way to go, here's how you make an adventure. So I'm cribbing stuff from their lore and I'm making up monsters and combining monsters and taking this location, but maybe I'm building my own city over here uh, to have an adventure in so that I'm not bound to the exact lore of another place, or I want to be bound because I like having that history. So so there's you know over 40 years of, of content to draw from and then there's my own imagination, and then you combine the imagination of the players. Now, similarly, uh, as a writer, I've been fortunate to be able to write, uh, you know, writing on a Star Wars game. I also uh, had, for a bit, I was uh, working on uh, Suicide Squad 2 before it was handed off to James Gunn. Um, but I've been able to play in sandboxes that I love the lore of. So, uh, like, 
keys to the Star Wars kingdom and like investigate that and play in that world and then play in the DC universe and my favorite kind of DC universe, which is which is the villains and the Jokers and the Harleys and play in that world uh, of it. So you're doing a very similar thing. You're like, well, other people have established things like Wizards established, but now I'm adding my own spin to it and putting my own thing on it. Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons, creating a new adventure once a month is such a wonderful exercise in, oh, build, boom, boom. Okay, now how do I spool out the mystery? How do I, how do I slowly tell the story? What do I, what breadcrumbs am I leaving? What, how much am I, of, how much leg am I showing at any given moment? And <laughs> how much, and how do I build it to a wonderful climax for them and give them agency to discover that stuff? I like I say I, I DM'd. I think I mean you're talking month-long campaigns. I think I lasted four nights and well, the no, players. Well, no, once a month. <laughs> I don't mean month-long campaigns. I'll do a one-shot. Yeah. Yeah. You lasted one night and you were dead, right? Um, uh, four nights, but I think by then the players did want to leave the room. Well, the ongoing, speed. the ongoing one that I've been doing that David Nutt DMs. We've been doing that for we're into our third year, and we only oh, we, wow. meet once a month for that. Uh, the one shots that I do, I do only maybe twice a month. Once a month uh, is one that I've crafted for that individual group. And the other group is a bunch of my buddies from the Midwest uh, uh, that I was playing with when I was 12. Uh, so, so it's, uh, and that we're just doing one of the revamped uh, Into the Borderlands in Search of the Unknown, one of the classic modules oh, wow. that have been updated for 5e. Uh, so I just literally, it's old school, open the book. They tell me what room they went in. I look at the number. I read the box. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot less prep than it, there would be for the ones that I'm crafting for the one shots. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, a couple of comments and questions coming in. Uh, you've got uh, family in the room, by the way. I do. Uh, let's, let's have a look at this. Da, 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 da. You have uh, Trace Williams uh, hey. saying hi. That's Your my, cousin, that's my cousin. Uh, saying hi. Yeah, and saying, uh, see you're in the nerd cave. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Um, and nerd Lair. Nerd, nerd Lair. Lair. There you go. Um, and you had a question. Stop, I'm in villainy. Uh, yeah. Um, Solicitor Smeg asking, uh, if, you're, if you were a D&D character, what would your stats be? Oh, um, I don't think this is necessarily the characters that you're playing, but you. No, they're saying like if, if someone you, made you me yourself, a playable yeah. character. Uh, I probably uh, uh, high charisma. Um, <laughs> You know, that's a great question. Uh, probably, I'm probably not very dexterous. I'm not super fast, nimbly. Like I, 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 I run maybe a, you know, twelve minute mile. So I'm not super fast and dexterous. Um, uh, so that would be a relatively low score. Uh, at fifty-two, I'd say my wisdom might be a little higher. Not all the way there, but it might be a little higher. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm terribly unstrong. I can I, I can hold my own, uh, but I think I I being having to be like an improviser and uh, you know my mouth is what's probably gotten me as far as I've gotten in my life. Uh, that sounds filthy, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know the gift of the gab. So I probably would my my uh, my, my uh, charisma score. I'd be the guy going here. Let, let me let, let me tell you. Let me let me talk. And so I, I that, my charisma score would probably be the highest one there. So I'd probably be if if I was a player character, I'd probably be a bard. Fair enough. No, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Um, as part of, I mean, 
I, I might as well ask the question how your lockdown has been and we'll kind of segue into what I want to talk about next from that I mean how has lockdown been for you I mean I'm guessing I mean what I, I, I'm trying to work out how it is in the states at the moment and in your neck of the woods you've just gone back onto lockdown haven't you if, that, if I'm right. We never came out of it, really. No. Uh, you know, I mean, well, we've never been in official lockdown in the same way that, like, New Zealand was in. There's sure. always been, like, uh, safer at home. Um, and for a while, yes, where bars and restaurants closed and only, yeah, so that was. But there was, you know, because we're just such a big damn country and there's so many different opinions, there was never a, a, a nationwide consensus to try and yeah. control this thing. Um, and as far as mine has been... You know, my, my mother said to me, it's the same storm, but different boats. I'm fortunate that I have a decent boat, right? I have, uh, we were lucky we have a yard and there's four of us, so I'm not isolated. Yeah. Uh, my son and my daughter and my wife are here with me and we have a zoo of animals. Uh, a lot of my life, I never really worked at an office. So in between acting jobs, uh, I've always had writing jobs. So working out of my writer's room, uh, has been something that I'm accustomed to. It's just more uh, often than it has been before. But I'm also, again, knock on Dice Tower, I've also been fortunate to have some writing gigs during this time. So, um, you know, we're, we're, the bills are being paid uh, while we wait for production to come back. So I, I, I do not recognize, uh, I do not, it goes completely recognized that I am in a, a, a stable situation and and my my heart goes out to those that uh that are struggling yeah. struggling more than myself and and i've been uh i've been doing my share of trying to uh assist to charities and whatnot to help people through these these times because again um they're unprecedented and sure. and and i have an amazing group of friends i will uh we have some fruit trees in our backyard and so i will often fill up uh, a bag with with citrus and a bottle of whiskey, and I will mask it up and glove it up and go leave uh, leave it on the doorstep of friends as the citrus fairy uh, <laughs> for them to wash and drink and make spiked uh, spiked juices. Um, so you know we try to still connect to each other. We try to reach out and and again doing doing Zoom D and D with with friends is a healing balm. I mean, it gives me drive and purpose and focus and something to look forward to and. And we are still able to go on nature hikes and we still occasionally order in food. Uh, you, you make the best of a, of, of a bad situation, but uh, our best is, is not, not bad. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, that's a very good, I mean, you helped out with the segue there um, with the, uh, the, the Zoom D&D. And also, uh, I mean, I spotted you playing uh, the, uh, the Shout Factory's uh, Always a Sword. Um, uh, 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 well, no, that's com that's coming up. Is that no? That was last year. That was last year. And then you um, hopefully DM'd, they'll do it again. Yeah, and then you DM'd Quarantine I Quest. I did Quarantine um, Quest, and then I did one lockdown. for I did one for Jasper's game. Yeah, uh, and then I did one for a, a cat rescue. So I've been able to do some charity uh, dungeon mastering uh, for uh, some causes that that uh, are are healthy, wonderful causes. Uh, uh, and the yeah, this, always a sword and dungeon run were just back before they were charity events, and those were just actual streaming shows. Sure. Um, but uh, I've been been invited to be a part of some streaming D and D, and I'm humbled that uh, again I'm being welcomed into that community. It's been a wonderful thing, and again opening up 
new relationships and new friendships and new experiences it's it's a lovely thing yeah. which brings me into the uh, I mean the one of the uh, people that you play with uh, in quarantine quest is a personal hero uh, which is Mark Bernarden um, oh, who is just um, I mean I think for myself as a comic-con San Diego comic-con fan uh, my first exposure to his name was as part of a writer the writer one of the writers for the Toucan blog but then the name kept cropping up and so like showing up on shows and guesting with uh, Fa uh, Kevin Smith on Fat Man Beyond and the, the name just kept cropping up and you kept seeing a real um, a, number one a heart there um, a real big uh, joyful heart for what he does but also just the quality of the stuff that he does but then he did uh, the Plague Nerdologues um, over lockdown which is one of I, th I mean there's three things that I turn to as being the absolute joys, if that's the word, to come out of the, the whole situation. There's been uh, Rachel Smith, who did a, a run called Quarantine Comics, uh, a bunch of a strip of uh, comics, uh, cartoons here in the UK. But the nerd, uh, Plague Nerdologues, just absolutely outstanding. I mean, how did uh, Mark approach you for that? So, you know, so to, to wind it all back uh, again, so myself, uh, Dennis Calero, Bria Grant, and uh, and. Uh, uh, Derek Hughes, we uh, we created a, a party at Comic Con called Slam Con back in 2011, which was basically kind of a free for all. Hey, we would just all tweet, "This is where we're drinking tonight," and who would show up? And like 250 people showed up at nice. the Marriott, and and it, it was writers and actors and and comic book artists and writers. Uh, and fans all just mixing and mingling, sort of the heart and soul of what Comic-Con was. But it was a, an opportunity where because Derek is coming from the writing world and Dennis coming from the comic book artist world and Bria and I coming from the acting world, we were bringing in all, all these wonderful different people that I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise. Uh, oh, that reminds me of another story and then I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll seg into that later. <laughs> we'll circle back, But yeah. uh, remind me to circle back. So, um, so one of the people that I met at SlamCon was um, Mark Bernardin. And uh, so we immediately, you know, Mark is one of the easiest people to talk to and he's, he's affable and funny and he will nerd hard with you. <laughs> and like he just laps me with his, his knowledge, but he's also, uh, also just enjoys the conversation as much as anybody. Um, and so we've just developed a friendship through the years, um, and we had done uh, we had done this uh, D and D game, and then he invited me to fill in the big shoes of Kevin when when Kevin was out uh, promoting his film. I, I sat in on uh, on uh, Fat Man Beyond. Um, so when he was doing this, putting this together, he, you know, he has a deep stable, uh, deep bench of nerd friends. And he, he basically said, well, here, this is what I want to do. Uh, you could either pick, I'll, I'll give you something to do, like a, a, a thing, or you could come up with something that you want to do. And look, I've, my entire life, I've just grown up hoping someday that I will become Bill Murray. Uh, he is one of the big reasons I got into what I do. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster. I'm like, I finally have my chance. And so <laughs> then the idea to go, well, what if I'm, both Ray and Peter and just do that scene uh, and the tech allowed me to throw the stupid Columbia backgrounds and then put in some birds chirping and 
and do the uh, the call it fate, call it karma. Would you mind see. if I showed it? Oh, please. Would you mind if I showed it? Because um, if you, I mean, number one, uh, if you've not seen this uh, video, uh, number one, all of them are available on YouTube now. Uh, thankfully, Mark has made them um, They're free. They're free, from a... but still go and donate to the causes oh, that they were put up for. Absolutely. Um, but um, I'm going to put this up because, uh, if anything, it's also, I think it is the only one where it's a, two, a double header and it's the Somebody same. Somebody else person. did Batman and Robin. Did they? Okay. Yeah. I might have missed that yeah. one. Yeah. Might have missed this one. Uh, but this is uh, the uh, Nerd Play, uh, Plague Nerd Logs. This is Todd Stashwick. This is a major disgrace. Forget MIT or Stanford. They wouldn't touch us with a 10-meter cattle prod. You're always so concerned about your reputation. Einstein did his best stuff when he was working as a patent clerk. You know how much a patent clerk makes? No. Personally, I like the university. They gave us money, facilities. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've been in the private sector. They expect results. For whatever reason, Ray. Call it fate. Call it luck. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe we were destined to get thrown out of this thing. For what purpose? This ecto-containment system that Spengler and I have in mind is going to require a load of bread to capitalize. Where are we going to get the money? Living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I think you spotted me as well. You started laughing at me. I did go into full blown karaoke mode at that point. I did start saying the dialogue as well. Yeah, you're, that, you're, that's you're, the joy. It kind of starts jutting out there. Whenever yeah. you just kind of start jumping into Bill, because <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I grew up. Uh, I was a Chicago boy, so, so. The minute that I can fall into a you know a nice Chicago accent makes me very happy. It just so, like, so it, it was, it, like was you, it was you that chose the uh, the piece. I chose that piece. Yeah, it was like like if I was gonna do like what nerdy piece am I going to do? And I'm, I'm like, wow, that's you know I know it like you said karaoke. I know that scene by heart. Uh, we have all been going call it karma our whole lives, and so uh, I'm like, okay, that'll be fun too figure out how to do both parts like handing off the the drink and like it, it was uh it, it did was look like a, it, it, it looked like a solid bolt you took of that by the way oh there was the cap was still on oh really oh you, 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 you're ruining the magic only, now. only because uh i probably had to do multiple takes and i wanted to be able to get through it with the Fair crown enough. royal the crown royal being uh you know uh the bag that we use for D D dice Fair enough. Since we were children, it all comes around. What was the, what's been the reaction of, of that particular clip uh, from you know, it's friends fun. and it's family? Fun. Again, because so a lot of people know me uh, from a lot of drama, so to see me do bigger, broader impressions is always an interesting reaction from people. Because like, uh, I didn't realize you did. Blah, blah, blah. So you know, coming off of Twelve Monkeys, which I got to be sarcastic in, but 
the, the one of the first big projects I did after 12 Monkeys was Kim Possible, and I could not have been more broad and sketchy and, and with huge performance. Uh, uh, so it's fun every once in a while to be able to flex the the big silly a little bit. Uh, so the reaction from from the the cybersphere has been really kind. Uh, and look, who don't love who don't love Ghostbusters, right? True. Very good point. Um, I, 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 off the back of that, and doing performance online and getting involved in something which gives back to uh, various very great short, um, um, causes um, throughout the course of this horrible situation that we've all been in. Um, I think something that I've been very aware of is the fact that there's just been very little content being produced officially um, in terms of, I mean, Hollywood's been, was locked down completely. So all of this um, creativity that was coming forward through Zoom calls, through people pulling together um, and uh, coming together to make things and allow people to still enjoy and uh, taking in content. But um, for yourself, I mean, how big of a hit has been the closure of Hollywood? I mean, the reason why I'm asking that is on a more broader uh, sense in that how hard has the acting community been struck by this? Yeah, I mean, the entire industry ground to a halt. At speed. Yeah. And yeah. so it... Uh, it it's uh, there are people like like I said I'm I, I I've been able to uh, refocus on on the writing to 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 feed the family, and so um, uh, it's been hit hard like it it's been hit hard I, I I the the people's livelihoods uh, people are going to lose houses they're going to lose you know children not be able to go back to college like it's it's going to be a rough go of it for some time before it recovers um people people you know there there's this misconception out there i think that that if you work as an actor you're just in hollywood and you're rich um but so many uh so many people uh like myself we're, we're what they call blue collar actors we often go from job to job i mean as a series regular that's a great place to be but those jobs are few and far between and and i uh it was between the riches and 12 monkeys it was seven years between series regular so you're just waiting for that next gig and then and then all the people that it takes to get that gig your managers and your agents and all the things that everybody gets a you know they everybody gets a nibble of that pie uh including uncle sam um so it's 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 the life of an artist we chose it we don't complain uh because it is the life we chose we chose uh, a lack of stability uh in in lieu of something that uh spoke to our hearts as as creators and provide you know and and, and right now the heroes that are on the front lines the people that are out there uh the the first responders the the medical community at the end of the day if they if they come home and they can escape into uh, a television show and be able to forget their woes and whatnot, then we are doing a service. Uh, you know, I, I talk about 
artists and actors is like television and film is the collective campfire. It's where we field test emotions for each other. We can cry without risk. We can laugh. We can we can unwind and blow off steam and share. You know, you 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 watch a show that you're a fan of, and then you gather online and you connect and you talk about it. And we kind of learn about uh, lessons of life. And and uh, I've talked about this on another pod, podcast, but. Uh, story gives us empathy because we literally walk in another's shoes metaphorically or 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 what's the word uh, virtually walk through another's shoes and experience something through someone else when we watch a movie or read a book or hear a song or whatnot and so it is a valuable thing to give us insight into each other um, so I think acting and storytellers provide a very valuable service it's escapism it's also it's also connection um, and actors are humans who need to eat and feed their children. Uh, sure. And so uh, we are doing what we can. As you see the creativity that has come out of this, we still want to make stuff. We still want to uh, entertain people and connect to people. So we do try and do, I, I still try to do Instagram chats and I still try to uh, connect with uh, the audience and, and, and share funny things and make make Ghostbusters videos and I made another one where it's like a little thing where I play with my action figures uh, I'll send you a link to that um, so it's it's been hard it's been hard uh, and it and it's it's not uh, and it's been harder for some than others obviously but everybody's human so so we have to find a way to empathize with everybody's situation and I think that's what's gonna save us is empathy yeah fair enough um, we, I've had um, a couple of really good uh, pop culture journalists uh, on the show uh, over the last couple of weeks, which is uh, Mike Avelia from um, uh, Sci-Fi and also Russ Berlingame from ComicBook.com, and they were talking about how the in, um, industries are going to have to evolve and change. And Mike said something very interesting, which was, "We're going to see animation go through the roof. Uh, there's going to be a lot." My, son, my son's an animator. Yeah, uh, we're going to so see a lot of voice. Job. If anybody's <laughs> hiring animators, my son is looking for work. Fair enough. That's uh, blasted out there. Um, can you see, I mean, you've done voiceover work yourself. Um, it's something that is in your repertoire. Can you see, I mean, have you been approached already? Is there been? A, is there a lot of animation you know, gigs I, going I've auditioned, off? I've auditioned, you know, I, I've done some. I, I, I would not call myself a voiceover artist, and maybe I should start but uh there are people out there you've done phineas like, and ferb that counts i did do phineas but that was just because uh you know i developed a friendship with swampy it's not like i i i he he called me in for the fun of it um but there are guys out there and gals out there uh you know my friend julie nathanson yuri lowenthal nolan north john dimaggio like these people make a living at it uh and and i bow before their prowess uh i have yet to really crack that nut uh like my voice sounds like a, a garbage truck so um uh, i would love to do more uh, i've auditioned uh, i just uh you know I, I i've been fortunate to to have a very robust on-camera career uh so maybe it's selfish of me to also want to crack the nut of uh a voiceover but um, i'm ready willing and able uh, it's just not something that I can will into existence other than leaning into the Yeti and uh, speaking in dulcet tones. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, 
yeah, I think that was the. I mean, the 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 observation was because of the way that social distancing is going to have to happen on set for a while. Uh, that animation is going to there's going to be a certain uptick uh, in that uh, output, certainly from Hollywood. Yeah. Um, also, uh, and this is going to be. I'm going to try and word this right because I don't want this to sound off uh, because uh, obviously this is a, a comic convention um, podcast. We've kind of circled around all sorts of stuff, but let's go back to that because um, there is that um, revenue stream which actors can get from appearing at comic conventions. And I, I think as attendees, we sometimes don't recognize just how important that revenue stream is to uh, the acting community and those people on the other side of the table. Talking broad sense again, uh, and you can uh, bring your own example into this. I mean, how big has that been as a loss of a revenue stream to well, appear you know, conventions? I, 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 uh, you, know, we never, you never get paid when, when, when you go to Comic-Con. Yeah. You, you, that's not, that's, you're doing that's that the individual. for <laughs> yeah, yeah. the love of the game or you're there. I mean, I say not paid. It, it's part of, a little part of my contract when I was with second, with, with, with 12 Monkeys. So, I mean, paid to be on 12 Monkeys. Part of that is doing PR for 12 Monkeys. Part of that is going to Comic-Con. That being said, you know, they, they get you a nice hotel. They fly you in. They pay for your food. So, like, it's, it's, it's a great way to see Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, uh, but... Uh, as far as uh, like supernatural conventions, there's never been a Twelve Monkeys Con, which I would love to have one because I'd love to celebrate that show with fans. Uh, supernatural and the originals, uh, the money is lovely. Uh, I I have not personally been a person who uh, a counted on that income or had it frequently enough that that income was missed. Yeah. Uh, the shows that I've been on uh, for that. Uh, have a really deep bench of guest stars and ones that did, like I did actually 11 episodes of the originals, but there's not a lot of Vampire Diaries cons. And then you're also talking about two different shows that went on for seasons that have a, a, a deep slate of guest stars. So, and Supernatural, I was on one episode. So yeah. for them to circle back around to me, sometimes I, you know, I completely get why you go, uh, we got, we, we've got Misha Collins, like we've got so many other people that are here that uh, bring in Stashwick for that reason. Uh, that being said, I'm also uh, unlucky that I have and have stories from so many different genre shows, whether it's Buffy or Angel or Star Trek or Supernatural, uh, Revolution, Heroes. Like I've done a lot of that stuff. That that uh, I, I am I am sort of the everlasting uh, everlasting gobstopper of, <laughs> of genre actors. So I got a story for a million places. Um, just roll a d20 and, 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 and tell me what number you hit for what show you want to talk about. Um, so, so uh, but that being said, I've, I've always been welcomed very warmly. I've always had, it's always interesting to see what people know me from or what they're a fan of. Uh, but as far as a revenue stream, it's not something that's bit into my pocketbook. Uh, and hopefully all of it will come back and... Uh, and become a become a thing again for everybody, for sure. the fans and and the creators alike. Well, I mean, I think that's where I'm going to head to, is kind of like to wrap the conversation up 
on what you expect to see as a, a com and Comic Cons coming down the line. But let's go through a couple of questions because uh, people have been talking. They want to get a question to you. So let's um, uh, uh, talk. We've got Tina Gann who's asking. Is hey, there, Tina. Uh, isn't she a joy? We've it's had her on. She's, she's wonderful. Um, has there been a character that you found difficult to shake off after the role is over? And then I'll tell you a Tina Gann story. So. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I am not um, method, uh, so I, I am not that, I mean, I, look, when I've had to do like deep, dark or emotional scenes, I will shut down for the day and kind of get uh, focused and ready so that I can do my job so that when, they, when the uh, cameras are rolling, I'm there for it. But I'm, I'm pretty good at the compartmentalization and probably because I have kids, because they don't need me to bring that stuff home with me. I don't need to be still in character when I come home. Uh, what I will say that does I do take home with me is uh, after doing Dr. Draken or after doing particularly like, sh like screaming scenes, I won't have a voice uh, <laughs> uh, when I get home from work because Draken, I just sort of had to hold myself here through the whole thing. And so when you're pinching and tightening your vocal cords, that strain uh, will have its effect and you got to rest. But uh, yeah, I've not been that guy that like, I couldn't get out of character. No, it's, 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 uh, it, I will say the, the other way around, you want the time before to be able to shut things out and focus things in just so, again, like my job is from action to cut. If I don't deliver in that time, in that window, well, that's a problem. Uh, so I have to maintain focus. Doesn't mean that we're not having fun on set, but again, if it's a particularly like emotional or dark scene, I'm like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta focus in on the material and focus in on the moment. Uh, after they yell cut, I can drop it and go, go back to my family and friends and, and whatnot. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, there's a couple of characters you've played as well that you absolutely don't want to take home anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I totally get that. Um, this is, uh, I mean, like you were talking about the, uh, the the rolling of the D20 and the the, uh, the various parts you played. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Garfamiero, uh, the wandering. Uh, Todd did an episode of Middleman, super cool. Uh, what was it like to trying to play uh, Javier's words? I mean, you've got uh, Kevin, who's no, yeah, he's been he's been chatting all the way through. I, I worked on Middleman, but not on the uh, episode uh, Todd was in, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guarantee you, the, uh, uh, Javi would write these monologues uh, that were wonderful tongue twisters, and, and and you know, as an actor, it's fun to get that stuff. It's fun to uh, be given the opportunity to do something super challenging. Uh, so, his his words are always delightful, and his. Uh, yeah, he just creates super fun characters. I had a blast on that. And that show made me a lifelong friend with uh, Natalie Morales. So I'm deeply grateful that my relationship with Javi has continued and my relationship with Natalie has continued. And uh, it, was a, it was a blast. Cool. Right. I'm going to tell you the Tina Gunn story. Okay. Because I forgot I was going to do that. And then you're going to say that one that you said you were going to circle back to. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you got to remember that. But the Tina Gunn story is... the same convention that I said that you and I would have never have crossed paths at which was Star Wars Celebration in London purely because it's the XL such a monster of a building. Tina actually had been on this show and has been on for a couple of times throughout the year or years leading up to 
And th that was the first time I'd uh, kind of met her in pub uh, person. I'm six foot four. Yeah. Tina Gann's down there somewhere. But Tina no, that was. She's tiny. But she's so much fun. And we did a live show from one of the hotels around the back of the um, uh, XL Centre. She is a huge Ray Park fan. Huge Ray Park fan. Ray Park was in the bar directly behind us and bombed the episode. Uh, came in and just jumped in and Tina lost her mind. It was a, it was beautiful to watch. It was yeah. I got so to work much fun. With Ray on, uh, I got to work with Ray on Heroes. And I actually, uh, we, uh, we had that moment with each other in the airport uh, <laughs> at Heathrow going to that very same con. Uh, was we're like, Hey, and uh, had a nice moment because we got to work with each other at Heroes, and he is every bit as charming and lovely as you want him to be. Absolutely. I mean, we yeah. thankfully we managed to sit him down for about five minutes and okay. talk to him about the show and uh, what his experience of uh, celebration was, and he 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 could not have been nicer. He was I ran wonderful. into Tina at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. She gets around. She does. She's, she, she goes to a fair number of shows. She's, she she's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, the story that you were going to circle back oh, around so I was to. saying just about, like, like my, 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 my nerd boy dreams coming true. Uh, uh, my friendship with Dennis Calero has, has given me access to a part of, of entertainment that I never dreamed I'd be part of, which is the comic book world. And uh, they do this party uh, that is an invite-only party called the Dead Dog Party. Uh, and you get a little piece of paper, and it tells you what bar it's going to be at. And... and so we show up, and it is all like, like comic book legends. Like, I literally was sitting at a table, uh, drawing because they'll put parchment paper out and crayons because Fair there's enough. all these artists. So I'm drawing, and I'm drawing next to Sergio Argonez, and I'm like, how is this happening? And Dave Gibbons is at the bar. In walks Frank Miller. I'm having a conversation. Your mind him. must have just gone. Uh, Bill Sankevich was there. Uh, so many uh, amazing, um, so many amazing legends in in comic books uh, were at wow. this tiny little bar, and they're all just they're all, they all know each other, and they're all just shooting the shit with each other. And I was just like, and they were just chat chatting up with me because they love to talk comics as, as much as I do, because that's what got them into the business. But but the fact that I was able to sit there and uh, and, and, and oddly enough, a, a buddy I had not seen since high school who ran the comic book store when, in my college town. No, not high school, college. He ran the comic book store in my college town, uh, has gone on to be an amazingly accomplished comic book artist and creator, uh, Tim Bradstreet. He, uh, he, we were like, I hadn't seen him since I was 18. And it, it, was, it was like, oh my God. Uh, so it was a reunion, and it was one of those those Comic Con dreams come true, where you're like, "That's pretty incredible." Like I've uh, in the acting world, I'm, I, I I I'm connected to a lot of the genre community. I'll leave you with one last story of of the essence of Comic Con. So I was at the Entertainment Weekly party. Uh, this is a longer story, but I'll just do the nugget of it. And to, to just, if somebody had dropped a bomb on the roof of uh, of the Hard Rock. Uh, they would have eliminated pop culture for a good year before it would found its feet again. If there's a party, so I, if, if there's a party, I've tried desperately to break into on numerous occasions. It's that one. Yeah. So it was one of these where I was, uh, my wife and I 
were having a conversation with Peter Capaldi and we look over his shoulder and I kid you not, Harry Potter was dancing with Arya Stark. Like, <laughs> like, uh, the, the, like the nerd in me is just going, this is a, I'm having a dream where all these characters have been assembled, but it's actually happening in front of me where where Daniel Radcliffe and 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 uh and uh Maisie and Williams, Maisie Williams were, they were just dancing the music it was just it was absolutely it was absolutely <laughs> crazy funny and and I'm talking as one time traveler to another I was talking to uh to 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 a doctor uh just crazy just absolutely crazy um uh, and again these are the these are the opportunities that the work that I have been uh, blessed to be a part of has have afforded me in my life and it, it's fun to share these stories because I can't believe them myself because uh, like I said uh, as much as I've been a part of the community I'm a fan of the community uh, I'm just uh, I'm just an old nerd boy <laughs> well I mean I was also going to ask if you can pull out uh, a favorite comic-con memory but considering you've given me three over the course of our conversation so far at least three. Um, I mean, yeah. Was there... on, I was on an aircraft carrier once, uh, and, and a helicopter landed, and Shatner got off the helicopter and then went and interviewed Lavar <laughs> Burton and Data. That was on an aircraft carrier while fireworks going off. I mean, it's just <laughs> you just have you have those moments where where you're like that that just happened, that yeah. just happened. This is. This is absolutely crazy. I just posted a very funny moment that I had just up with a fan on the floor where the guy guy stops me and goes, hey, you're that actor. Uh, uh, I said, yep, I'm that actor. And he goes, what do I know you from? Uh, and, and I go, what do you watch? And he says, you know, shows with guns and shooting. I go, yep, I'm that actor. <laughs> so, it, you know, you I have these wonderful interactions and, and meeting the people that are fans of the shows that I've been a part of is 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 other great, great memories, yeah. I mean, we had a comment earlier, I'd have to go digging for it, but it was a case of, uh, it is those random moments, those unplanned um, gems. I remember uh, that, walking uh, to, I was heading to to the, uh, the convention center and I looked down an alley and uh, at the end of the alley having coffee sort of off the beaten path was Edgar Wright, Nick Frost and uh, Simon Pegg. Like, that's, that's the cast of Shaun of the Dead right there. Yeah. And I'm just, just strolling down. And uh, again, I like, I, 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 I try to contain myself and I try to contain my nerd glory because you like the ability to entertain somebody, you are, you are uh, reaching into a part of them emotionally in, uh, against their will in a, in a sense. Like somebody makes you laugh or cry, that's a spontaneous reaction and it's a powerful ability to have over someone. They are entering into that equation willingly, obviously, but they they you they then get bestowed with a power over you, and so I think that is why we we have a bit of reverence for them and, and how these pieces of entertainment touch us and and the people that created those pieces of entertainment, which is why Comic Con is a celebration of the things that move us and touch us and and create empathy. Well, that was going to be the question. I mean, what do you feel is the uh, the heart and soul and the magic of uh, Comic Con? I think you just—it's a pretty, celebration of imagination. And, pretty and, much summed and, it up. Yeah, Absolutely. And empathy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, into the blue, Mister uh, Tim Bradstreet's Punisher covens are amazing. Oh my God, they are. Yeah, they are aren't they just? They are. They are art gallery worthy. I mean, which artist do you try and track down when you go to artists? Oh, I was at a party once. There's a drink and draw, which is a thing that they, they do where, they, where they'll have models in, like, genre clothes. And then all the artists gather around and draw while, while like, a DJ plays or there's music. And the DJ was Paul Pope. Nice. And so I went up to Paul Pope and was just like, I'm not worthy. And then uh, a very sweet moment I had, I went to, uh, uh, I went to get a commission from Jay Lee. Because uh, I'm a big fan of Jay Lee's work, and and uh, so I, I asked him, and, and I talked about, uh, you know, we, and he he looked up at me, and we were having a moment, but he had obviously uh, he kn he knew the show Gotham, and so I had played Black Mask on it, so he drew Black Mask with a knife to Batman's throat, giving me the upper hand, thank God, uh, <laughs> but uh, and so it was very sweet because I wanted a picture with him, but because he was a fan of Gotham, he wanted a picture with me. I'm like, what? Okay, sure, Jay Lee. <laughs> uh, so that was a really cool moment. I, I mean, I have I have my uh, the artists that I am a big fans of their work. Uh, Brad Street's one of them. Jay Lee is one of them. Paul I mean, Pope. We've Frank, got a fair. I have not met Frank Quitely yet. I have a signed Quitely over there somewhere. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm a fan. I mean, you've got some incredible artwork on on your wall behind you. If we can uh, just well, have a, a quick there's, look. There's a Frazetta there and uh, a Michael Whelan, and then up there are all the Burger King uh, Star Wars glasses posters from the Burger King Star Wars glasses line. Nice. Uh, what do I have over there? There's a. Uh, I have all different stuff. Because yeah. that's the thing. A, I'm, it's a all Mobius. Like, yeah. You've got a Mobius up there. Well, it's not an original. It's just oh, a okay. <laughs> print. We have some uh, Mobius sign prints in the house, but then I have a lot of people's work. There's some Tess Fowler, some uh, Janet Lee uh, here, uh, Dustin Gwen. Uh, I have. Uh, oh. I see a Devil Inside cover. There's a devil inside cover. That's that's a Dennis Calero original. <laughs> um, I have uh, uh, what's her uh, her name? Just uh, escape me. She she draws Saga. Come on. Oh um ah. Why is it gone it's, right on my head as well? <laughs> it's really like right here. I have the books. Oh hang on, I have the books. It's going to come to me the second year. Oh, Fiona you... Staples. I don't Fiona know. Staples. It came back to me right as I was reaching for it. Of course. So I have a signed Fiona. Uh, I think, I don't know if I have a signed Magnola. But these are, you know, these are the guys that I love. Um, these are the ones that, I, uh, uh, Dustin Gwynn's stuff is unbelievable. Uh, I love uh, 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 Muth. I love Muth stuff. Uh, all the Moonshadow stuff. I love all of that. The painterly, very yeah. How often do you get to draw? I just doodle. I don't. Yeah. I mean, between painting minis and uh, I'm building an R2 unit. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's another hobby. I'm building an R2D2. Yeah, it's uh, there's it's too, too so many, many disciplines. So many disciplines. There's so many little rabbit holes to go down. Cool. Um, we've got. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got to be said, Into the Blue Mister is somebody who does look at the, the backgrounds of our guests and does uh, grade, and you dig it, you get a solid 10 out of 10 for solid uh, new I material. Have, I have, uh, I don't know if you can see it, I have 
a CRT and an Atari 2600 set up over there with an easy chair so that I can dive into my little 80s basement. Oh, there's a jock Star Wars over there on the, on the wall of the trash compactor scene. Yeah, and yeah, and it all it goes to the ceiling as well. Oh my lord! Yeah, this is a sanctum. This is my sanctum sanctorum. Again, it's branded the nerd lair. So this is where I do my my nerdy my nerdy dirty deeds. It definitely definitely is that outstanding. Um, so well we'll we'll let you go. We'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, of your day, your Sunday. But before we do, um, I think we'll I, I can kind of just wrap up on conventions and when you'll be heading back and when you feel you think that you can be comfortable yeah, in maybe, maybe once there's convention. a vaccine i don't know it is that does seem to be the kind of answer that i get a lot it yeah, seems I mean, to be people that. get their flu shots every year so people should uh you know when, when they have a vaccine for this i'll at least know that uh i'm protected uh and i'm not going to be uh you know it's it's then and then if I know my family's inoculated so that I wouldn't be bringing anything home with me. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I think it, it may be, it may take till then. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, unless we find a way to mask this things up. I mean, there's, there's like, if we all masked up, we could knock this out in six weeks. I saw that report. I saw that. Um, three to six, something like well, that. I don't think three, all, but six. We'd, we'd have a handle on it, apparently, within I three to six yeah, weeks. If, yeah. if everybody just, like, like we have no problems wearing seat belts. We have no problems wearing uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service. We wear shoes and shirts to go into places. Let's just throw that extra little piece of nine-inch cloth on our face, and Absolutely. we could, I don't know, stop a plague. True. Jeez. But not only that, but I have, I have another um, slightly more pressing um, impetus to do so. Uh, my mother um, is a former state registered nurse with the NHS here in the UK. She's very uh, conscious about um, health and um, protecting of people and doing what needs to be done. And I'm 47 and I will still get one hell of a clip round the ear at some serious velocity if I don't wear a mask. So I don't want to ever upset my mother. You don't ever want to piss off a mum. It's as simple as that. So simple as that. Um, quick final comments, and I think it's more about your, uh, your the, the the room Nerdlayer. No, Nirvana. Uh, Nerdvana. Absolutely. That? Oh, that's yeah. Nerdvana. Nerd oh, they're calling it Nerdvana. Yeah. Uh, I liked Nerdlayer because uh, because uh, you descend into it as opposed to rise up to it. Nerdvana <laughs> would be an ascension. Nerd oh, you've Lair. got you've got all sorts of names. I mean, nerd out of plane. <laughs> Is one. It's nerd lair, folks. That's what it's called. Love it there or it leave is. it. It's the That's nerd the lair. It's also, it's also it has a subtitle, which is The Lost Cavern of Didif, which is my original D&D character <laughs> from when I was 12. But it's, 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 it's my nerd lair. It's not a man cave because it is not gender specific. All are welcome here. It is a nerd lair. And nerds Fair come enough. in all shapes, sizes, and identities. Damn right, man. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And a great sentiment to finish on. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Todd. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Um, I mean, we, I know about uh, Devil Inside. It's the site still up and running at devilinsidecomic.com. It's just been a very long time since we've been able to generate Absolutely. content because my typing time has been taken up with between D&D, &D, which is part of my sanity, and then the actual writing jobs that, that pay me. Uh, Devil Inside, I want to give it its proper ending. Uh, at least for this four book set, uh, eventually finish this four, fourth book. 
I want to do it right. Uh, and Dennis, you know, he's been busy. It will happen. Uh, it's just, but there's plenty out there for people to enjoy if they go to devilinsidecomic.com. Absolutely. And where else uh, can people go to find what you're up to? At Todd Stashwick on the Twitter, at T Stashwick on the, uh, on the Insta. I'm also on the Facebooks, uh, all of that. And hopefully I'm going to, you know, I may, I may do some fun stuff, uh, making some public stuff for, uh, Nerdlayer inspired things so that people can maybe share in a little bit of the whimsy that I've created here, uh, to take it with them. Have a little Nerdlayer in your house. It's a, it's a Nerdlayer state of mind. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got an event. Dennis Calero called Comic-Con the best thing I've ever heard it called which was Nerdy Gras. (laughs) Yeah, I like that one. I'll take that one. Um, Well, it does... It's got to be said, even before the actual convention starts, um, and I've got several pictures of me going down to the convention centre, it really does feel very much like coming home. It's Bourbon Street, yeah. It's Nerdy Gras. Absolutely, absolutely. Todd, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for coming on. And um, well with advantage. How will you be enjoying... The virtual week next week, will you be... Uh, I have a panel, if people want to go on Twitter Ah. and follow me. I I, I did a panel, which is uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars. And there's two clinical psychologists who are expert in either. uh, And then they each have have a partner in crime, like an actor or writer there, to back them up. So I'll post a link to that. uh, And you can watch that. uh, And that that is an official panel that cool. you can enjoy uh during uh during the uh hang on sdcc at home sdcc at home uh so and that is done through uh hang on somebody keeps trying to facetime my daughter and i keep having to, <laughs> to boot them off uh and so uh so yeah so check that out that was uh brought together and moderated by my friend brian ward uh, and with uh, with uh, his, uh, he's done it several times. It's a, quite a wonderful panel. If you like Star Trek and Star Wars, give that a watch. Excellent. Well, I'm glad I asked now, because <laughs> at least we got to uh, to remind and people about checking posting, that out. I'm going to be posting a lot of pictures from SlamCon and, and, and Comic Cons from past, so that we can all kind of share in the joy and relive the love and connecting with people. And and I'm ha- I'll probably do an Instagram live just to have like a a slam con live so let's maybe we get a gathering of folks uh online about that'd that. be cool so, yeah, well, we'll, we'll be f- we'll be following along i mean karen sessions already turning around and saying that will be a lot of fun i think i put that uh, panel on my uh, schedule oh good yeah we'll be we'll be checking that out Thank absolutely you. absolutely todd take care enjoy the rest of your sunday and we'll see you soon peace and love brilliant take stuff. Care. thank you how cool was that uh, that was Todd Stashwick. Uh, do check out his panel um, when it uh, goes up online. I'll try and find out the link for that, and I'll put it in the description below for uh, Comic-Con at Home, which, of course, takes place as of Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, you have all the educational panels. Um, as if it was a, um, a physical San Diego Comic-Con, you'd have all the uh, the schools and the educator panels, which would usually be taking place at the San Diego, Com- um, San Diego Library. Those are happening on the Wednesday. And then... The uh, con happens virtually uh, as of Thursday. So uh, what we're going to be doing, we were wanting to do a number of panels. I actually wanted to do a full day of uh, shows 
from uh, 10 till something uh, each and every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was informed uh, that that was not, uh, I was, I was, it was frowned upon uh, by the powers that be uh, because they ideally want people to go and check out the official uh, Comic-Con uh, output. So please do check that out. But we are going to be having panels throughout the course of the week. Um, so uh, just before I wrap up today, just to uh, remind you that we are usually live on a Wednesday and a Sunday. Um, what I usually do is do Comic-Con week and then do a, a show on the Monday and then take a bit of a break. Whether that's the case, um, we're not entirely sure because we have got one or two guests that are wanting to keep going uh, past uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2020. So um, the likes of James Tiernan uh, IV uh, is wanting to come on the show. We've got him, we've got Gail Simone that's uh, wanting to come on. We've got a whole bunch of people that are wanting to come on after SDCC 2020. We will give you updates on all of those. Um, as well as uh, next week then, it's a little bit of, of a different animal as you can imagine because of course it's comic-con week we want to try and do as much as we can to celebrate and fill that void of not having our own um nerd uh, mardi gras uh, to go and visit so uh, tomorrow uh, monday we are going to be doing a incidental episode these are those uh, shows which we don't do on the wednesday and the sunday outside of the normal schedule where we have ourselves some uh, special guests um, we've got two great artists, uh, Gustavo Vargas, who's going to be joining us, uh, who's an incredible up-and-coming artist, uh, certainly was one of the stars of the show at uh, Thought Bubble, and also Tom Spark, who is uh, an incredible uh, cartoonist. Um, the pair of them apparently have not uh, spoken to each other, and I turned around and said, well, do you want to come on the Hangout and chat? And that's what we're going to do. It's an incidental episode, and it's going to take place tomorrow. Karma Savage is asking, when's the Cup of Tea SDCC after party? That will be announced on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's Tuesday or Wednesday. It's about put, bringing it all together and having ideas um, and working out how we can fill the time. It will take place approximately um, 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock on Sunday, after, uh, Sunday evening after the convention, which would hopefully give me a bit of time difference so I can actually take part. Um, it will be a Zoom call and the way I think we're going to do it is um, we're going to just put the link out and everyone can join in. But it's a case of filling those three hours with things and stuff and nonsense. Uh, so fingers crossed we'll see if we can uh, get something up and running with that. Into the Blue Mister, looking forward to James Tin and loved his Batman Turtles crossovers. So did I. It's the reason why I'm really glad to speak to him. Um, and also Carol, uh, this is going to hurt. Uh, it's perfect con weather here in uh, San Diego. Yeah, um, as Caroline uh, posted, uh, well, she was looking through her memories of today. Um, I think it was about two, three years ago. Today would have actually been uh, preview night of the con that she was at. It was also the convention where uh, this would, I think it would have been about two years ago, two, three years ago, because um, it was the party that was organized by Jason Coe, Corgi Commander. Uh, my wife is a, she works behind a bar. She knows cocktails and she knows what to put together to do the most damage. And she killed a room. Uh, she pretty much had a lot of people flat on their back like turtles. Um, and for the first time of attending Comic-Con, I think this was like year eight of us going. Um, it was four o'clock on preview night when she was able to drag herself out of bed. 
these are memories. These are the things we're going to be sharing. Um, there's several threads happening on Twitter at the moment, which are filling in those voids of uh, what we are missing this week. Um, so let's all support each other, share those memories, and um, let's come together still as a Comic Con community, even if we can't come together in person. Uh, Toby is uh, telling us it's in the upper 70s, low 80s, small amount of clouds in the sky. Gorgeous. Um, I'm going to miss the convention. I'm going to miss the weather. I'm going to miss you guys. Um, it's That's going to be the hard bit. So there we go. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Like I say, incidental episode tomorrow. Please do join us. Um, we are setting up our guests for Wednesday through Sunday. Um, more news about those uh, in the next couple of days. This episode will be going out on our... Um, audio social medias uh, in the next 24 hours may even be very soon because I enjoyed this chat I might just get it up as soon as I possibly can so you can find that on uh, SoundCloud on iTunes and also on Spotify if you search for Englishman in San Diego you will find it Aaron Neighbors has jumped in we'll miss you too brother oh okay I'm gonna have to wrap this up before I start uh, filling up here but there we go thanks again to Todd Stashwick for joining us Thanks to everybody who's uh, been watching. I know we've had one or two new faces as well that have been ta uh, taking part purely off the back of uh, Todd putting out the word. But that's why it's been a pleasure to talking to Todd because I knew it was going to get a couple of uh, uh, new faces to join us on Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Take care. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Let's stay uh, and let's beat this together, shall we? For myself, to you, take care. Thank you.